0: from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Learn more at aarp.org slash wv. The Charleston Gazette Mail, using its CGM app to deliver the latest news, traffic and weather alerts, keeping you in the know while you're on the go. Lumos Networks, online at lumosnetworks.com. West Virginia University, online at wvu.edu. Orion Strategies, Professional Public Relations, Government Affairs, Creative Services, and Research and Polling, with offices in Charleston, Buchanan, Martinsburg, Pittsburgh, and Columbus.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Legislature Today from the State Capitol Building. I'm Suzanne Higgins. A discussion of one of several criminal justice reform bills this session later in the program, but first, Dave Mistich joins me for an update on both House and Senate action today. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Now we're down to uh, among the last few days of session. Things are going at very rapid pace right now, but we actually should start last night in the Senate Judiciary.
2: That's right, Uh, so that committee, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, voted down the Campus Self-Defense Act, also known as Campus Carry. That's House Bill 2519. Uh, they rejected that, that bill on a 7-9 to nine vote. Uh, Republicans Charles Clements and, uh, and Ryan Weld joined Democrats to vote that measure down. I uh, should say, just in theory, that um, there are ways for that bill to be revived with, with session ending Saturday but all of those routes to get that bill back out seem very unlikely at this point.
1: Okay, and you know, that was uh, such a hotly uh, debated bill. We had university students, um, but then uh, lots of supporters for that bill here at the Capitol as well. It's not the only really big bill to have died by day 57.
2: Right, right, and and just to go back and give a a quick rundown here very quickly, uh, the Tim Tebow bill, that bill would have allowed um, uh, uh, HOME SCHOOL STUDENTS TO PARTICIPATE IN SECONDARY SCHOOL uh, EXTRACURRICULAR ACTIVITIES. Um, THAT BILL DIED ON THE HOUSE FLOOR ON, on, on THIRD READING. THE TOBACCO uh, 21 BILL FROM SENATOR STALLINGS, WHICH CALLED FOR, um, YOU KNOW, the, THE FIRST PURCHASE OF TOBACCO BEING RESTRICTED TO uh, AGE 21, uh, YOU KNOW, DIED IN HOUSE HEALTH. There was the Medicaid work requirements bill that was pulled off the uh, House special calendar and back and put on the inactive calendar. That was on the in the House Rules Committee just before crossover day. Uh, And then, of course, the very, very big one, Senate Bill 451, the comprehensive education reform bill, the omnibus bill uh, went down in the House of Delegates as well. So this session sort of uh, I think there was there's a theme of some of these these really um, controversial bills going down this session.
1: All right, let's move on uh, to action on the budget. Let's uh, start with the Senate today.
2: Right, so the Senate, the Senate had amended its version of the budget, which is House um, into House Bill 2020. The Senate's version was Senate Bill 150. Uh, basically, they, they took House Bill 2020, struck it all out, and then dropped in their version of the budget, Senate Bill 150, into that bill. Uh, today, they passed that the, the House Bill 2020 um, on a 20 to 14 vote along party lines. Republicans, of course, in support of of that budget bill, Democrats against the measure. Uh, It now heads back to the House of Delegates, but as everyone knows, it's likely to go to conference committee.
1: Okay, and in conference committee, they're going to hash out their differences. The bottom line on the budgets, the amount, the allocation is is very close, but there are some big differences within the bill. Tell us about those. Well, you know,
2: it would probably take me a a couple of days to go through each budget and compare you line by line, the differences between those two budgets. Uh, We heard on the Senate floor today, Senator John Unger arguing that the Senate's version had cut uh, higher education funding from the House version. Uh, He named those institutions that would have have taken these supposed cuts uh, one by one on the floor. Um, The one thing that has everyone's attention, though, that that I think is is the most notable difference of this budget uh, deals with these teacher and school service personnel pay raise. Um, You know, that that was House Bill 2730. We all know that that's been parked in the Senate Education Committee for weeks at this point. I I believe it is. Uh, I spoke with uh, Senate Finance Chair Craig Blair about that bill and the teacher pay raises specifically and here's what he had to say.
3: The teachers pay raises are not there but the state employees pay raises are. 5% for all the state employees are in there and then we're hoping that uh, the state police pay raise bill that we had sent out, that the house will take that up later today and amend theirs, their part of the pay raise into that one and run that one out. Uh, As for the teachers, that's not in there right now, and that may happen or may not as we move through. But we're making sure the people that didn't strike of this session while we were trying to work are receiving
2: the pay raises that we said that we'd give. And of course, Suzanne, uh, you know, Senator Blair said that teacher pay raises aren't completely off the table. He did reiterate his and Senate leadership's position uh, their desire to add education reforms like charter schools and education savings accounts somewhere, um, you know, this legislative session, that's sort of the big holdup for him.
1: And what are the, uh, what, what's the minority party, the Senate Democrats, how are they reacting today?
2: Well, I spoke with uh, Minority Leader Roman Prezioso. um You know, he said those teacher and school service personnel pay raises, uh, not being included are a big hang up for the caucus. Obviously, they've been calling for this you know, all session. They tried to discharge that bill from committee and get it to the floor. That was a failed motion. Um, he said that he thinks those pay raises will end up in a special session. And here's some more additional comments from Minority Leader Roman Prezioso.
4: doesn't appear to be any resolve. I mean, unless they get the uh, House Education Bill out of uh, Senate Education today, there's not going to be much hope for uh, us passing a, teacher six, a 5% teacher pay raise. And uh, I know that the House has the uh, appropriations in their budget, so going to conferees, the problem you get into, uh, there's so many differences between the House budget and the Senate budget, something's going to have to be cut out. You're going to have to cut out roads. You're going to, you're going to have to cut out uh, the intermediate court. You're just going to have to cut out a lot of different things to get where you want to be. And it's going to be up to essentially five five members of each house in the, on the conferees.
1: And so, Dave, there are still bills out there that are running that could impact the bottom line of the budget. What are those? Right, and, and
2: specifically a couple in committee today. Uh, Senate Bill 554, which calls for the state police pay raises. Um, the Senate's version, which they passed, was a $3,000 salary increase each year for three years. Uh, was in house finance this afternoon. That bill uh, was amended. It now calls for a 5% pay increase for employees of state police.
1: All right, also in the Senate today, Senator Cory Palumbo expressed extreme frustration Uh, Over the delayed construction of the new Herbert Hoover High School, the opening now estimated not until 2022, and the Clendenin Elementary School, which isn't expected to open until 2021. um, Those schools were destroyed in the 2016 floods. Here's part of what uh, Senator Palumbo said, and then some of the remarks that followed.
4: We're two and a half years after the flood, and nothing's been done to replace those schools. You've got students who who are gonna spend their entire high school career in portables. The governor likes to, to comment and brag about his close relationship with the president. I call on the governor to reach out to the president because it's his FEMA
2: that is holding up the construction of these new schools. I'm just merely going on rumors, but but I heard that the um, school was not structurally damaged, but ran in and raised it instead of just cleaning it up, getting the students back in. But so what I heard was there would be no federal money sent to that school if they cleaned it up and got it back in, in, uh, in service. You know, it may have cost us a little bit of cleanup, but in hindsight, I think we should be more worried about serving our students instead of trying to get federal money. By federal law, you couldn't go back in that school. It was in the flood way. You couldn't put no money toward that school. That's the reason that that school was torn down. The federal government is holding it up. They're waiting on some clearances. Supposed to have them a year ago, six months ago. Here we are again, delaying another year, two years
1: and the big foster care bill passed out of Senate Finance just before 10 o'clock last night. It's on second reading today. Um, excuse me, it's on second reading tomorrow in the Senate. And then uh, Senate Bill 1, the Community and Technical College Bill, that passed out of the House today, and now it goes back to the Senate, uh, which would have to concur with a couple of the amendments that the House made. What else are we keeping our eyes on this week?
2: Right, so um, Senate Bill 4 was on second reading in the House of Delegates today. It was advanced to third reading with a right, restricted right to amend. Um, that bill deals with home rule. Um, the fundamental idea of this is that it opens it up uh, from a pilot program to all munis- other mis- municipalities in the state. Um, I should say that there are some concerns uh, over one particular provision of this bill that would allow for just 30% of eligible, eligible voters uh, in a city to recall certain ordinances. Um, this all stems, I, I believe, uh, out of the, uh, the LGBTQ non-discrimination ordinances that, that passed Fairmont. Um, Groups like Fairness West Virginia are keeping a close eye on that. Um, There's also another bill that I've I've been tracking this session myself. Um, 622, uh, this is the campaign finance reform measure. Uh, It'll be on second reading in the House tomorrow. Um, uh, Democrats offered some amendments to this bill in judiciary, but all of those failed. A couple of them looked at involving um, creating some reporting requirements for caucus committees and donors to independent expenditures, the sort of dark money that's out there. Um, I've been told by those same Democrats that they're going to offer those same amendments that failed in judiciary on the floor tomorrow.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. House Bill 2083 passed the Senate today and now goes back to the House for concurrence of the amended bill. The legislation would provide an identification card for released inmates who don't have a West Virginia driver's license. Other criminal justice reform bills this session include notifying former felons about their right to vote and exempting drug felons from a lifetime ban of receiving federal food benefits. Glennis Board spoke earlier today with activist Robert Grossman, who's been outspoken on Senate Bill 152, a criminal offense expungement bill. It's on second reading in the Senate tomorrow.
5: Many of the criminal justice reform measures moving through the West Virginia legislature focus on how to help former felons, particularly those with drug offenses, reestablish themselves once they've served their sentences. Now, one of the major pieces of proposed legislation would expunge nonviolent felony convictions from a person's record, Senate Bill 152. Here today to talk with us about this, is Mr. Robert Grossman, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Happy to be here, Glennis.
5: So first, just tell us, give us some details about this bill. You've been following this very closely. Tell us um, tell us what's in this bill.
4: I'll be happy to. So let's contrast it with the current statute uh, for expungement, uh, West Virginia Code 61-11-26, which says, if you're between the ages of 18 and 26 and you commit a nonviolent um, misdemeanor and you're convicted, then you can go ahead and petition the circuit court to get that expunged uh, or, or sealed. Mm-hmm. So the committee substitute for Senate Bill 152 is a wonderful vehicle. It adds nonviolent felonies as as well and it also reduces the age restriction of 18 to 26 years of age as it is right now Glennis West Virginia is the only state in which people aged 27 and older cannot expunge that type of conviction
5: oh really it's the only it's the only one that's that's fascinating and so um, so I'm just curious can you talk to me you've been a very outspoken proponent for this bill. I'm curious, why are you so strongly invested in the outcome of this bill?
4: That's a good question. I did have an unfortunate brush with the law in late 2014. After the dust had settled, I realized that I wasn't the only person in this boat, that there were thousands of other West Virginians involved as well, and my heart told me that it was the right thing to do to set things straight and um, work with uh, delegate Mike Pushkin of District 37 uh, to amend uh, the expungement statute.
5: Right, and you've been working on this for since then, is that correct? Yes. Right. So um, you've mentioned in um, things that you've written and ways you've communicated that West Virginia would join a national trend with this legislation. Can you talk to me a little bit about that trend?
4: CERTAINLY. Um, uh, MOST RECENTLY, PENNSYLVANIA GOVERNOR, A WOLF OF PENNSYLVANIA, SIGNED AN EXPUNGEMENT BILL uh, INTO LAW. WE'VE SEEN MANY OTHER STATES. GLENIS, PEOPLE OFTEN LAMENT THAT WEST VIRGINIA IS AT THE BOTTOM OF THE HEAP, uh, NUMBER 50 uh, IN SO MANY THINGS. IN PASSING THIS BILL, uh, WEST VIRGINIA LAWMAKERS WILL HELP WEST Virginia move out of that bottom rung and, and upwards towards a better spot.
5: Talk to me a little bit more about your experience um, lobbying for this legislation. Who have you found in your corner lobbying with you for Senate Bill 152, another reform, criminal justice reform?
4: Well, first and foremost has been uh, Delegate Mike Pushkin mm-hmm. of District 37, He's been wonderful to work with, very open, warm, friendly, uh, professional, communicative, uh, and we've been keeping an open dialogue uh, as to how best to move this bill forward. Mm -hmm. Also, Lyda Shepherd of the American Friends Service Committee, who is on site in Charleston and doing a wonderful job lobbying not only for this bill, but also for criminal justice reform in general.
5: Mm -hmm. And have you had the opportunity to speak with people who would benefit from this perhaps um, convicted felons or somebody with a misdemeanor who would like to see uh, their record expunged have you had that opportunity
4: yes uh, glennis i have a page on facebook Second chances for west virginians and i have heard from scores of people who know in their hearts that their lives would be changed by getting a second chance from this legislation
5: can you share any of those stories with us
4: well Um, I'd like to mention uh, Amber Miller, Mm -hmm. um, who um, uh, was convicted of a daytime burglary uh, and got her sentence reduced uh, from a felony uh, to a misdemeanor, but further uh, would be benefited um, by this bill. Uh, I know many people are are waiting uh, for for a change so that they can get a second chance in life and know about, you know. Forgiveness and redemption, and just a, a new leaf being turned over. Mm-hmm.
5: And what does that process look like? What would it look like? What what process people would have to go to in order to have that record expunged?
4: Certainly, uh, you uh, that the person has to um, petition um, the circuit court, mm-hmm. uh, either as a pro se litigant uh, or uh, with the help of counsel, mm-hmm. uh, to e- e- expunge. Uh, or, or seal uh, the record. Now, is it a slam dunk? No, it's not, Glennis. Uh, there is um, uh, judicial discretion here mm-hmm. and judges can um, uh, deny this. They can set a hearing. They can approve it. Moreover, um, the uh, prosecutor has to inform uh, any victims uh, that are involved and victims can a- oppose the petition uh, as well.
5: I see. Do you, is, is there a general do we have a general idea of how long this process might take or does it vary
4: it, it varies by circuit court and its workload I'll tell you one thing though Glennis um, this is most certainly going to increase the, the caseload uh, of, of circuit courts around the state
5: yeah I imagine so so um, talk to me let's talk about opponents for a second what do you say to opponents and have you had the opportunity to speak with opponents? who claim that employers should know about criminal convictions.
4: Glennis, this is such a wonderful thing that, no, I haven't heard from anyone uh, opposing it. However, let's take the example of um, John Doe, Mm -hmm. who was going through a bad divorce, and, uh, you know, he shoplifted a a candy bar and has a a misdemeanor uh, on his record. Okay, how is that going to help uh, his employer? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's going to be better for him having this expunged and him having a second chance in life.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Great, well, so talk to me then about what's next. Um, obviously, we're a little bit in flux, um, but you've been following this bill. There's a chance that it could pass what out of the House, but it's most likely, do you expect that this will be uh, settled before the end of the session or that it'll maybe float till Saturday? What, what do you expect? Lawmakers are going to react.
4: The West Virginia legislature uh, website uh, showed uh, the bill on its first reading today uh, in the House. That means a second reading uh, tomorrow, third reading on Friday, and then, and this is really exciting, it, it followed the bouncing bill. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the Senate. Uh, for its consideration on the last day of the session.
5: Mm-hmm. So you're hopeful that it will be passed, though?
4: I am hopeful. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's the right thing to do for, for West Virginia, fiscally the right thing to do, and, and it would benefit so many people.
5: Robert Grossman, Morgantown resident, thank you so much for joining us in our Morgantown studios today and for talking with us about, about this bill.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
5: Well, Senate Bill 152 is one of several bills related to criminal justice reform being considered this legislative session. But efforts to adapt systems exist outside of the legislature as well. The state's Division of Corrections and Rehabilitation is expanding work release programs to help more nonviolent drug offenders transition into the workplace. Producer Chuck Klein and I visited a frozen treat factory in Wheeling that has recently embraced incarcerated workers. In 2018, about 1,300 West Virginia residents were behind bars, according to the state's Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. And that prison population has grown significantly in the last decade. Getting a job after incarceration can be very difficult. But a frozen treat factory in Wheeling, West Virginia, isn't afraid to recruit people straight from jail. Lisa Allen is the company's CEO.
3: We make um, a product called Budget Saver, branded popsicles, we make um, twin pops, we make monster pops, we make red, white, and blue pops, all frozen treats that are sold in retail outlets across the country. The drug environment and the opioid environment
6: has made sustainable um, hiring very, very difficult. What we look for when it comes to employees or tribe members is somebody who is willing to take care of the person to the left of them and take care of the person to the right of them doesn't matter what your education is, or what your background is, or what it isn't. That that just doesn't, doesn't matter to us. We, we want to know about it, so that if we can help you in any way, we can. Um, but really, it's all about that person wanting to um, just do the right thing.
5: That's Ziegenfelder Company's Director of Human Relations, Leslie Wechner. She explains that the challenged economic landscape in the region requires creative approaches to hiring, like paying for training. But Ellen says she understands how investing in someone with a
3: record is a dicey proposition for many employers. Um, there are a lot of businesses that would that probably wouldn't. And granted, our, our business is, um, um, the employees are inside our walls. They're not customer service. So not that I would question, but I can understand why some businesses just simply can't trust. You have to prove to me that I can't trust you. You don't have to prove to me that I can. Um, And do I get burnt? Absolutely. Are we successful all the time? Absolutely not. It's heart-wrenching when we're not successful.
5: The Ziggy Tribe, as they call it, has taken compassionate hiring one step further by hiring people not yet released from prison,
6: again Leslie Weckner. we have just recently started partnering with Ohio County Corrections facility um, they are excited to kick off a work release program and we are going to be working with them um, another girl in my HR uh, tribe is actually was meeting with them this afternoon to nail down some more some more of the details but we're really excited about it there's They've identified eight folks, who eight inmates, who um, deserve, they feel, deserve the opportunity to uh, to come work for us, and we're excited to have them and give them the chance. So that if you know if they stay with us after they're released, or if it just helps them get a little bit further ahead once they're released, we're okay with that.
3: The opportunities we're open to give individuals who have made bad choices um, really gave them a second chance in life. Um, I could think of three or four people that I knew had had some sort of a background, and they're great employees. In fact, some of them are even still with us. It's hard work to stay on a good path. It's hard work not to make a marginal decision that can change your life forever. But it's not ours to judge, not judge your character because you made a bad choice. So we, we provide opportunities.
5: Work release programs have been ongoing in West Virginia for decades but the State Division of Corrections and Rehabilitation is working to expand those and other opportunities throughout the state. For the legislature today, I'm Glennis Board in Wheeling. Tomorrow, a discussion
1: with university presidents about pending higher education budgets. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us, have a great evening. Bye. Yeah.